please welcome Mark back again. Um, can I say a quick prayer, Mark? Thank you. Um, Heavenly Father, we thank you for Mark. We thank you for just bringing him to SPS. And I thank you for this word he has for us today. So open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive from you. In your name. Amen. Um, wow. Thank you. It's always very, it's lovely when, you know, there's a sense of anticipation uh, and welcome. And it's a privilege for me. I actually haven't preached for a little while. So uh, it's really fun. I, this morning I was like, oh, I'm quite looking forward to kind of going and, uh, yeah, uh, being able to share some stuff that I feel like God has, has uh, given me to share this morning uh, about Pentecost um, and to just be able to be here as a church family. For those who don't know me, uh, my name is Mark Bishop. Uh, I am the associate minister here at SPS. I'm one of the clergy team, um, even though I don't always look like it. Um, uh, I assure you that I am. You can ask the bishop, uh, and uh, if you've got any issues, you can talk to her about me as well. Um, that's absolutely fine. Um, and uh, I've been at SPS for uh, just almost four years now, uh, which in comparison to some others is not very long, uh, but is uh, a fair amount of time. And we've also journeyed quite a lot because that's involved COVID. Uh, I was here six months, me and my family, we were here for six months and then uh, COVID hit uh, and we went into this incredible kind of pivoting and actually I still am kind of in shock and also uh, really bowled over by the way that our community just adapted and stayed together during that time. And, uh, and then amazed by how many connected during that time and you're here and you're wealth, you're part of SPS church family. Uh, so it's just incredible in the midst of these different seasons um, of uh, things that are going on, what uh, God is still able to do. And I haven't been uh, up front for the last kind of couple of months because Carrie and I, my wife and I, uh, we have a real call and we have had for a number of years, uh, even before we came to SPS, to pray uh, for the city of London and for London. And uh, some of you will share this call. Some of you might not even know yet that you've got this call to pray for London as well. Uh, but we feel this real uh, call and we've tried as best we can to live by faith and adapt our lives so that we have time to pray for London. A lot of that time uh, is, is taken up prayer walking. And some of you will have been on a prayer walk with me um, or I've had the privilege of doing that with you. We've been doing them around Tower Hamlets actually this last uh, kind of six months in every parish of Tower Hamlets we've been prayer walking we'll have done every parish by July that's been across the churches been really exciting to get up early on a Thursday morning with different people and do that uh, even those who were kind of hardcore enough we had like it was in October there was one morning and we were up near Mile End and it was almost sleeting it was definitely like minus two or something like that. Uh, and I remember coming around this corner with everybody and suddenly the wind hit us and it was, I think at that point we earned some really good like prayer walking points uh, <laughs> because it, it was tough that morning uh, to continue to pray for the land in that way. Uh, but all that to say, uh, God continues to call me and carry in that way. And we've just been taking a bit of time uh, to be able to uh, really seek and ask God, what is uh, what, what does it mean for us as the church in London to keep praying for London? 
You know, because it's not, London's not done yet. Can we agree on that? London's not done yet. There's a lot in London that God wants to do. What it looks like for the kingdom to come in London as it is in heaven, uh, there, there is a way to go. And we want to be a people who really pray that uh, because we believe that's the prayer that God's given us to pray. Thy kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. And in fact, uh, there's a brilliant global prayer initiative that's been going on called Thy Kingdom Come. You may have encountered it. It's an incredible thing. Uh, Archbishop Justin Welby kicked it off a number of years ago. It's now an ecumenical uh, prayer wave, they've called it, across the world. Uh, various people from Ascension to Pentecost praying uh, daily that the Holy Spirit would renew the church and would equip us to be witnesses to the world of Jesus Christ. It's a good prayer, right? And that's a good movement to be part of, uh, absolutely part of the church. That's been going on. Some of you may have tapped into that. If you haven't, there's loads of great resources. I really recommend going back and having a little look. Various people have done videos, including the Archbishop and other people um, who we just really respect uh, and want to hear from, speaking into kind of this moment uh, in the world's life and this call to keep praying, thy kingdom come. That's been going on. And there's loads, I've just realized, there's actually loads of like Pentecost things. God's stirring up his church as ever, as he did right at the beginning, at the first Pentecost, to pray uh, and to get out and to be able to be witnesses in the world. There's been another call to prayer uh, by an incredible prayer leader from London uh, who had, helps head up the National Day of Prayer. And, uh, and Jonathan has like really invited lots of different churches across the country to at 3.15 today, get outside of the church building uh, and to witness by praying and by even singing a song that Pentecost is here, that, the, that we want the renewal of the Holy Spirit in the church. We've got some amazing people. Stepney Dock, anybody from Stepney Dock here? Want to raise your hand? There's various people going to be at Stepney Green Park from about 1.15 for a bit of picnic and hang out and then to be able to do something to mark that and be part of that prayer uh, initiative as well today. So. Stepney Green, it's a beautiful day, it's a beautiful spot in East London. Uh, let's get there and let's witness uh, in that way. And also, I don't know if you've been aware of these different things, but I, as there are different initiatives, events, church leaders, the people you might expect speaking into this, the likes of me, but then there's also been these incredible uh, kind of murmurs of the Holy Spirit moving in other places at the moment. There's been this incredible encounter with the Holy Spirit in a place called Asbury in America. The Asbury Revival it's been coined as. Well, that was just some students who were part of a Christian university, so there was a chapel and they had a chapel service and they decided uh, that they wanted to go, they wanted to carry on praying. Largely that prayer was not big out shout evangelism prayer it was lord i repent i need you and as a few prayed that then others joined them and as others joined them so more came and then some people who could play instruments started playing some worship and they started singing and for weeks 
non-stop this carried on. And I, I heard from some people who went along in order to see what God, what is this thing that you're doing? And some of them couldn't even get close to the building, partly because of numbers, but also because they felt convicted of the work that God needed to do in them, even before they could get into that sacred space. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit that was started and we see so clearly, we're going we're gonna to read the passage in a minute, don't worry, uh, um, uh, at Pentecost and that we glimpse pictures of even today. We, we hear about this Holy Spirit who is moving. And, and I fully believe, I hope that you've already sensed the presence of God this morning, that God has his presence to pour out and increase in you today. You know, so we, we, this is Pentecost Sunday. This is the day that we remember that the church was born uh, by this outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the disciples who met in an upper room and uh, that did these incredible things, things that became miraculous, wondrous things, signs and wonders uh, flowed out of the work of the Spirit in the disciples, in and on the disciples. This 50-day festival after 50 days after Easter Sunday and we 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 today we're going to get into just one aspect uh, that I want to really I feel like there's just one aspect that God wants me to highlight today for us Pentecost 2023 uh, but we we're going to get to that by just starting with the disciples so the disciples were meeting in an upper room and this is my summary of everything they'd experienced, uh, like, to, that po to this point. It, it's like disorientation is, is where they got to. <laughs> because they'd been having an amazing time. You can imagine it, even if we do it from the perspective of, like, Peter. Peter was fishing. And suddenly, he's not fishing fish anymore. He's following Jesus around, and he's trying to fish for people. And there's this incredible three-year experience that he has, like the, the best education anybody could ever experience, uh, covered in the dust of this man that he's following around, seeing him doing amazing things. And then suddenly, Jesus is arrested and dies. So here are the disciples who've had this mountaintop ride in lots of ways, and suddenly they experience loss. And so they begin to, in the disorientation of grief and loss, they begin to try and work out what on earth has happened. And before they've even found their feet in grief, suddenly there are rumors that he's not dead anymore. And then they meet him, the resurrected Jesus, and they encounter him. And some of them are able to touch him and know that he's real. It's not just some ghost who's come back. This is the real, resurrected Jesus Christ. And suddenly they're like, great, he's back. <laughs> Let's get on with it. Okay, Jesus, what are we doing? Where are we going? Let's go fishing for people again. But then, as ever, Jesus says some mysterious things. In Acts 1, 4-5, he says, wait for the promise of the Father. And then in Acts 1.8, at the ascension of Jesus, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. 
And then Jesus ascends into heaven. And the disciples are left again going, what, hang on, what just happened? So disorientating. All of the joy, all of the grief, loss, disorientation, overwhelming sense of relief that Jesus has come back. And then suddenly this reorientation where Jesus has gone up to heaven to be at the right hand of the Father. And here are the disciples commissioned, but also told, you're going to wait. And then we get to Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to ask Janet to come and interrupt me <laughs> uh, and read us this passage. Welcome, Janet, everybody. The Holy Spirit comes to um, the Holy Spirit comes at Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to, to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in the in bewilderment because each, each one had their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Gal 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 Galileans? Um, then how is it that each of, of, of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cap Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, uh, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya, near Syrian, visitors from Rome, both Jews and co converts to Judaism, uh, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have devoured too much wine. Janet, thank you. Yeah. Amazing. It's no, uh, no small thing coming up and reading to everybody. Uh, thank you, Janet. Also, it's when, when you get asked to do it and you've got all of those, uh, those names, <coughs> which basically I was so relieved that I didn't have to read them out. Um, like, yes, amazing. So this is the Pentecost uh, account. And I really want us to think today, not, not just think, I really feel that God has spoken about uh, wanting to encourage us as a people who have to deal with waiting. And the disciples had to wait until Pentecost. They were told by Jesus, wait. Uh, and they waited. Um, but there, there is this theme that, that goes on uh, around Pentecost of having to wait for the thing that God has promised. Having to wait for the Holy Spirit. 
And so uh, I, I want to just reflect on that a little bit um, and really feel that that is something that the Spirit wants to encourage us in today. Um, now, I, I was said a bit earlier that uh, Carrie and I do a lot of prayer walking. We don't always do that together. In fact, weekly, we've got a routine. Both of us kind of have a little route that we do separately. And uh, it's amazing when you walk and you pray and you get into these habits, uh, the different things you begin to kind of pray for. Some of it is just each week there might be something different because you walk past something that just gets your attention in this building or whatever it might be, that, that, those offices in the city. But also in that process, as you walk with Jesus, little habits also uh, kind of grow. For me, one of the key uh, habits is that at the beginning and end of every prayer walk, I pray Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Um, I pray that prayer, open up you gates. Be opened up you ancient doors. Uh, and uh, this is a really kind of like good, it roots me um, and uh, keeps me in the right place as I'm kind of doing prayer walks. Now, I'm going to run a risk here, but I'm going to tell you about a habit that Carrie has established, which is a really good one. Uh, hers is about waiting. So Carrie Bishop, uh, when she approaches a pedestrian crossing on her prayer walk, presses the button. Has, yeah, do you know that you can press the button on the pedestrian crossing, everybody? <laughs> Did you know that? Yeah. When you press the button, a little light comes up and says... Wait, yeah, very good. Some of you pressed the button, that's amazing. You're already countercultural in London. Okay, so she presses the button, and, uh, and what, now, this is gonna be a revelation for some of you if you've walked in London. But what Carrie then does, she actually waits. Have you ever done that? <laughs> have, have you ever in London gone up to a pedestrian crossing, pressed the button, and waited. Now, I don't mean like the polite wait, which is, how does this junction work? Are there any cyclists, etc., uh, etc.? Et okay, great, I'm going. Uh, I, I mean the like hardcore waiting at a pedestrian crossing, pressing the button, and only going when the green man appears. Now. I learned how to do this largely, largely through my own children, because I, th I thought, this is an important value. If they learn that you press the button, but you go whenever you want, then they might get run over. That's a problem. So let's, let's learn it with them. We wait for the green man. Can you see the green man? Daddy, should we go yet? Can you see the green man? No. Okay, let's stay here. Uh, so we would always wait for the green man with the kids. But as they've got older, and as my kids have encountered me being a little bit late for something, not quite having set off just on time to get them to school uh, when we walk that way, there's some junctions that I'm like, yeah, we're going to wait here because there's something that happens to cyclists on Cable Street that I just don't know. I think it's of the enemy. It probably needs some prayer, but something happens and I don't trust them. So I'm going to wait for the green man and I'm gonna hope that they're not crossing at the same time that the green man is on, uh, which is another issue. I'm gonna do that with my kids, but then there's other roads that are very quiet and probably don't need a pedestrian crossing at that time of day. And I think we're running late, we're going. 
And so, you know, with my kids in tow, we're off across the road. All that to say, Carrie, when she's on her prayer walks, presses the button and waits. Now, she can explain it if you ask her later, but she doesn't do that because she's got some kind of heightened sense of road safety in London, although she's very safe. She does it because it's become a spiritual discipline for her. When she presses that button and waits, she isn't waiting for, you know, the best moment to cross. She's waiting because she wants to pray that prayer. God, I will wait for you. More than that, when she presses that button, she is learning that amazing discipline, which I long to learn as well, which is, Lord, what are you doing right now? What have you got to say to me now? Can I be still and know you now? And the amazing thing is that God loves that. (laughs) And God speaks and God has things to share. And yes, I joke about it, but please be careful when you're crossing the roads, however you do that in London. Um, but, but isn't it amazing that sometimes you have to feel a bit like a fool in the world's eyes in order to hear the voice of God and to experience his work. So I've started practicing this, this discipline on, on prayer walks. I press it and honestly, It can be incredibly awkward. And a lot of my prayer walks are in the city of London. And I really do feel judged. I won't lie to you. I've been there before. In fact, just kind of uh, like this week, Wednesday morning, I was there. I think I was at the top of Moorgate. And I was pressed the little kind of button. I was like, right, I'm going to wait. This is good. This is the discipline that I'm learning, that I've learned from my wife. And God, I really think you're in this. So, okay, I'm going to so a few uh, powerful men in suits kind of arrived. You know, they're normally over six foot. And um, uh, so immediately I'm like, okay, are they going to cross? And I won't lie to you, I don't even think they knew I was there and they crossed. And then some other people came uh, along who were, they looked a bit more like the IT department. They were kind of like, you know, some of them had Nike trainers on. And... Uh, Uh, And they were there, and they were kind of like, they were looking around. And I think because something to do with their proximity to millennials, uh, maybe they were millennials, uh, that they were then like looking, they were thinking, something's going, something's different here. So they look at me, because they want to know what are the other people in the room doing, because that really is important to me. Uh, They look at me, and they're really confused, and then they all go, they go. They're like, it's fine, he's not part of the herd, we're going across. So I'm there, and I felt really, I was like, what do these people think that I'm just this guy here slightly kind of like warm from a prayer walk and just kind of like waiting but then I realized that there was this wave of like satisfaction so I was like yeah I'm doing something different and I'm doing this because it's a prayer and I'm doing this in fact I have to remind myself I've been prayer walking for a long time uh, and had amazing miraculous experiences prayer walking I still sometimes have to remind myself that that's what I'm doing. <laughs> that I'm not just on a walk waiting for a coffee or a bacon roll from Greg's or something. Um, that I'm actually there to pray. So I'm there praying and I'm like, yes. 
And I just have this incredible sense then suddenly of the people around me that God's called me to pray for. This, this swim of the city uh, into which God wants us to pray. His kingdom come. Not the empires that are being built. Uh, not the mini like agendas that everybody has. But that God's kingdom would come. That his Holy Spirit would renew the city. And then I, as I went along, I realized that actually so much of my own kind of call to intercess is equally matched by God's agenda to intercess for me, to burrow deep in my heart, to, to get into my soul that I might be renewed as much as London might be renewed. In fact, in his wisdom, right, God knows that if he renews us, he is renewing London or wherever we find ourselves from, that God is at that work that is both outward and inward in us. Are you willing to wait for that? That's really what I want to ask you, this Pentecost. Are you willing to wait for that? Waiting is awkward. It is countercultural. It is not the way that the world works, but it is the way that God works. It is the way that God calls us into this alternative way of being, in, into a place where we can actually begin to hear his voice. And this is my good news for you today, is that God calls us to wait because he is the God who waits for us. Did you know that? Did you know that God is willing to wait for you? Isn't that incredible? That God is willing to wait for you. And I know this because of various different parts in the scripture, but my favorite part where we discover this is in Luke 15, and I'm going to read it to you now. So the son of a father said this, uh, he said, how, he, oh, but when he came to himself, he'd run away from home. He was like, well gone. He'd spent all his money, he'd got up to all sorts, he was not living in the way that he'd grown up and his father had called him to live. He then got to this point so low that he was, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. He was homeless by this point. I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father, who had been waiting for him, saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. Bring a calf that we might celebrate and eat. For this son of mine was dead, but is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Some of you may be familiar with this, the parable of the prodigal son. I'm so familiar with this because I was a prodigal. I was a Jonah 
who had had a sense of call from God when I was very little and I was petrified and for a long time I ran away from God. And I came back when I was, uh, came back to faith when I was 22. And uh, in fact, this is the 20 year anniversary this year of, uh, of my coming back to faith in my own right. So thank you, God. Um, and this parable that Jesus tells reveals to us the nature of God, which is that he will wait for us. He, and he won't wait passively. He waits actively for us. He is at the threshold of where we have run away. And he is waiting for a glimpse so that he might run to us and embrace us and reinstate us as children adopted into his family. We are able to wait because God waits for us. And so when the disciples are waiting for the Holy Spirit, they are able to wait because Jesus has promised the gift of the Spirit, but also because they've already experienced something of the God who has abided with them, who has been alongside them. But in their disorientation, I think that they were uh, really, um, this was really challenged, like it is for us today. But just around the corner for them was the gift of the Spirit. Jesus had already called the Spirit a few different things to them, the advocate, the one who would advocate for them, the counsellor. Uh, and we, ex we know from the Pentecost passage that people experience the, the Spirit then and still do today as uh, the breath of God, the wind of God, fire from God. And I, I wonder for you if there are things in your life that you are waiting for. I wonder if you've even shaped your life around some of those things that you're waiting for. And today, my, I'm not going to preach to you that God will give you exactly what you want. The Holy Spirit doesn't come in order that we might get the objects of our desire, but the Holy Spirit is the agent by which we might wait for the promises of God. And there's a difference. You know, there's a difference between the kind of material things that for sure we might um, encounter in our life and praise God for those blessings when he provides for us in those ways. But there is something much bigger going on in the call of God. There is something much bigger in the gift of the Holy Spirit that is about something that needs to happen in our hearts so that we might be a people who are able to wait like God waits for things uh, to be different, for the kingdom ultimately to come. I wonder if you need that in the bigger picture. I wonder if you need something more of the fire of the Holy Spirit. And it struck me that the gifts of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, these are gifts to be able to wait. They empower waiting. They empower a patience and a perspective and a stance that is different to the world's. Do you know what? In fact, with Jesus, the reality is that we can, af we can afford to wait. 
And I know that could be really difficult to hear. And I don't say it out of a place of, uh, like, prosperity, but of my own, like, poverty. (laughs) That, That we can afford to wait because we have Jesus. That we can be the ones who persevere in the face of what the world faces because we have Jesus. That we can do that because we know the gift that Jesus enabled us to get, which is the Holy Spirit. That we are able to do that because we are the sons and daughters, called to be the sons and daughters of the Father who will wait for us and who does wait for us. So here's my kind of finishing part to wrap that stuff together. Now at Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes and immediately there is this empowerment to witness to the world. The disciples speak in different languages and over 3,000 people, and they really only counted the men in those days, so much more than 3,000 people came suddenly into faith. The church is born. The Holy Spirit, without a doubt, empowers us to witness to the world that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he died and he rose again and he is alive today and by his blood you might be forgiven and know that he is your Lord and Saviour. We witness to the world. But, but my, my, my reality check for us today is that the Spirit also empowers us to keep waiting because it's not all roses (laughs) it's not all easy it's hard there is perseverance needed we see that vividly in other parts of the world where persecution is far more obvious but even here where it's controversial to even stand and wait at a pedestrian crossing there are cultural tides that we swim amongst where we need to be a people empowered, not just to witness, but to wait. Not just to wait, but to witness. Not just to be passive as we long for and pray for the kingdom of Jesus Christ to come, the King of kings, Lord of lords, but that we might be a people who actively wait. And therefore we are ready to share good news at every moment. Therefore we are ready to hold each other as we walk through pain and suffering and loss. That we are equipped to do both of these things by the same spirit who poured out at Pentecost uh, and who lives and moves and is at work in the world today. The gift of God who enables us to be the gift that we can be as the church to the world. Uh, Would you stand with me if you feel comfortable to do that? We're going to just pray. Before we uh, sing a song together and um, and share communion 
Uh, why don't we just take a moment and, uh, and wait for the Holy Spirit? You may want to put your hands out in front of you. This is a great way just to uh, posture yourself to receive, but also a great way to acknowledge that there are things that you need to like get rid of and put out in front of you to give to Jesus. just encourage you just to be aware of your heart rather than any thoughts that you've got in your head or anything uh, going on around you just to be aware of your own heart so if there are things that uh, God makes you aware of blemishes on your heart, pain, things you've done, things that others have done. I encourage you to ask God for forgiveness. of you, your life, your heart that haven't fully come home to God, to the Father who waits for you, just encourage you to speak to those parts to say, come home. And I just say to you, God wants you to come home fully, not just partially. God wants all of you all of you and God is in a season of calling prodigals back home that's going on in the world like we're seeing it here at SPS he's calling his children home he's calling the prodigals home some of them don't even know what they ran away from in the first place but they're coming home and he wants you to come home too today some of you might feel a bit like that older sibling sometimes in the prodigal son story where there's a frustration you know the focus is all on the prodigal and just laugh at the father says to the older brother everything I have is yours nothing is restricted for you never has been never will be. This is as much for you as it is for him. So just pray that for any of you that have felt that everything is for you as well. Everything that Jesus has is for you as well. So yeah, Holy Spirit, as we sing, would you come and move among us, increase. We ask for more of you more of you. I am hungry and thirsty for more of you, God. I want to 
see more of you in my own witness to the world. I want to know more of you in the waiting that I do. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, and move.